Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper Than Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. This past Sunday, we were still in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 24. Everyone at the table, please introduce yourself now. Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm I'm here having fun. (laughs) You seem kind of like mellow right now. Mellow? Yeah, Yeah, I'm just coming out of like getting a little sick and then having a long week too. So I'm just like, Okay, well, we get Mello and Nicole today. We I'm get Mello and Nicole. I'm excited. Uh, who else is here? Hello, this is Jesse, and I taught the passage on Acts chapter 12. <laughs> Jesse, that was not Mello. I don't know how to describe it. It was so that. wholesome. That was very wholesome. Yeah. It's you like, called me that before. And yeah. every time, because the way you sit is just so cute. Just like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> Can you describe how Je- he's, he's actually, just like, you guys are very similar in your sitting styles right now. He's like cross-legged mm-hmm. and both of his hands are in his lap and he's kind of like hunched over to speak into the mic, but like not in an ugly way, but like in a adorable, wholesome way. Well, guys, this has been one of the better intros that I can remember. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Let's uh, roll the theme song. back. Okay. Before we get into the passage, Jesse, this week, uh, first Sunday of the month, and what happens every first Sunday of the month? Communion. 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 We had communion, which is a great tradition in the church. Although we do have to talk about the way communion goes down. So let me set the stage for everybody. Historically, we just say two songs, go up, get your elements. Didn't give any direction. Then I think for the past two months, Josh has specifically asked us, everybody go down the middle aisle, get the elements, come the outside aisle. What did you do this Sunday? What was your instruction? Well, what one of the things that we have is five tables with communion elements all around the room, but we've been directing traffic, the people, towards the center aisle only. And so I'm like, we're not using the other four stations. So my thought, which I thought would go really smoothly, was send everybody to the table closest to them and it's going to be beautiful because there won't be a congestion traffic jam down the middle. Apparently, well, it didn't okay. work. Well, could, Jeff is I, I making it such one. a big deal. It yeah. wasn't even that big of a deal, Jeff. We, okay, we talked about it offline and it got serious. And I'm like, guys, this is just a joke. This is a bit for the podcast. We don't have to get angry. But okay, so what it does when you send people wherever they want, you have to crawl, climb over people. To crawl. Get yeah, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Scratch, claw your I'm way. I'm climbing under the seat. Like in between, uh-huh. Under like, you know, the little spaces. Army crawl. Yeah, yeah, which is like when you have to do that, is it like do you face the person or do uh-huh. you put your back to the person? Mm-hmm. Like it becomes mm-hmm. distracting. Mm-hmm. So um, can we say on the podcast, what is Grace's official stance for her communion moving forward? Yes, we need to have less people in church and then it'd be just be easier. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a people problem. What if we passed it out? Well, we can't pass it out because... We could put them under the seats. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> we just can't... Stand. People will start snacking on them in mid-message. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So. Especially the kids. Me. Anyway, I am, <laughs> I am all for not having to climb over people, however that... But also, I need to grow as a person and just let it go, too, I think. Yeah, it's not that deep, Jeff. It's not that big of a deal? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, if we had callers, I'd have callers in because I'm sure we'd get some hot takes on this issue. What callers? Yeah, callers. Like, uh, long time listener, first time caller. I thought you caller. meant like a dog collar. Oh, <laughs> no, like, caller. C-A-L-L-E-R-S. Okay. okay. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for putting up with that. Let's get to the passage. Uh, Acts 12. 
Peter gets busted out of jail. He does. Before that, James gets beheaded, which sucks. And so Herod is the king of Israel at the time, and he wants the church to stop growing. And so his strategy is take out the leaders. And so James is beheaded, Peter is arrested, and um, he's planning on killing him the next day. Uh, And by the end of the chapter, you have uh, Peter set free. James is still dead. But the church is growing and, and, and continuing to move forward. So this isn't top of my notes, but let's go here right now. Um, the strategy of killing the leadership hmm. is not working very well for no. the Jewish uh, old guard. Yep. Why not? Uh, well, what I talk about in the sermon is that you, uh, you know, Herod thought that if you kill the leaders, you're going to stop the movement, but he didn't take into account that the Holy Spirit was alive and well in the people of God and that, uh, and you can't stop the spirit in people. And, uh, the other point that I made is that, you know, you strike the shepherd and the sheep scatter, but, uh, for the, for Christians who follow Jesus, who are disciples of him, they are becoming like Jesus. They're not divine, but they are like a hydra. Uh, yeah, like you know, they're first called Christians in Antioch, and so mm-hmm. they're little Jesuses. And so uh, Jesus doesn't scatter; he multiplies when you persecute Christians. I just imagine Herod like plotting and like, how do I kill this Holy Spirit character? Yeah, like he <laughs> never ends. That like, there's no way to vanquish God's plan, right? Because he's not yeah, you know, killable. like that arcade machine where you try to hit the head when it pops up. Mm-hmm. It's like a whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole, yeah. Or like I'm trying to think of an image of like you try and stomp it down, but then it just like spreads even more. Yeah, there's animals. Know, there's animals that if you like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you like just can't stop it. Like starfish, it. like you cut, you know, like you cut something off, and then it just grows. Right. Exactly. Why are you cutting starfish? I'm just saying, if you were to, it's a point. Mm. I'm making a point. We're like, struggling for an illustration. Yeah, <laughs> help us with an illustration. What is it? I like? said a hydra. You cut off a head, and like two more come up. Oh, okay. oh I oh, missed. Sorry. It. I'm sorry. Okay, you said hydra. You love mythology, don't you? Yeah, I was into it. I, I'm not so much anymore. But Tell me was. more. You've you've talked about mythology before. Have on the I? Podcast, yeah. How is the church oh. like a Hydra? In yeah. like the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like Hydra is normally like a bad guy, but um, the Hydra is this like snake dragon thing. Yeah. And if you cut off its head, it no, it has three heads. But if you cut one off, two yeah. more grow back. And um, like who is Hercules fights one, and he's like fighting it, fighting. He's like cutting off all these heads, and like it ends up having like hundreds of them. But he finds out how to actually kill it. But. Uh, what's the thing? You won't know this. What's the thing from Harry Potter where oh Voldemort, the dog Voldemort? No, Voldemort lives in all these. Oh, Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. The Christian Church is like the Horcrux. Like we're hidden all over the world. You you take out one, you got to take them out. Take all of them out. Maybe I'll cut this section out of the podcast. I'm not getting much <laughs> I like feedback the, from your you too. part of it. Yeah, anyway. he likes mine more. Uh, yeah. I it's jo- Josh is the Harry Potter person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's get back to real stuff, guys. Um, okay. So I loved one of the slides. So you you made this uh, friction versus traction mm-hmm. uh, point throughout. And so one of the first slides was uh, when friction happens, pray, pray yeah. earnestly, something yep. like that. Um, can you talk more about what that actually looks like? Because I think, at least for me, sometimes I can fall into the only pray camp. Mm-hmm. Or then I find myself in the, no, you actually have to get up and do things, the action camp. Mm. How do they both work together? What does prayer look like? 
That's a great question. And well, I, what we see in scripture is that the people pray. Um, I've been asked or I've thought, actually, I've read in a book the question, why should we pray? And the answer that this author gave was because Jesus prayed and because he tells us to pray. And so I think like starting point is just why do we pray, mm -hmm. especially in difficult situations, but why do we pray at all? Well, we see Jesus praying. He tells us to pray and we see the early church praying. So why do we pray? Because that's what the Bible teaches us to do. Mm -hmm. But I think even beyond that, um, praying is, uh, is allowing God to, um, just become real and alive and connected to us. Um, I talk about how prayer is an act of self, like um, self-defiance. Like we're, we, we're demonstrating in prayer that we do not have the ability. We, we are not self-reliant. We need God. And so um, especially in difficult times when we say, God, I need you, it allows God to come into our hearts to give us what we don't have on, in, in the moment and for God to supernaturally move possibly in the moment if he wants to move in that way. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great answer. Although I guess the follow-up question is then, and you mentioned it, he possibly could move. What? How should our uh, posture change toward prayer knowing that he may not move? Yeah. So James there. gets killed. Peter's set free. Mm. Why? Only God knows. You know, there really is no, and so I think that we pray and we, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, and we have been given the privilege, the blessing, the opportunity to, to come to God and ask for things that are on our heart. Um, will God always answer the way we want? Uh, probably not. And being able to step back and be like, well, um, Somehow in God's providence and God's sovereignty, he is working things out to do things, even though they're not always the way I want them to, like mm -hmm. in James' case. And so there's a an act of saying, God, I am going to trust you in whatever happens, regardless of the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Nicole, have you ever prayed for something and <clears throat> the prayer was answered? or the prayer wasn't answered? Like, what's your prayer life like? Yeah, all the time. I feel like you can't have a prayer life if you're not having unanswered prayers and mm. answered prayers. That's good. Um, but I think the most important part for me, like the thing that I've really learned this past year is like, how are you humbling yourself before the Lord? And how are you completely showing him that you only need him? Mm. And um, a part of like that in my prayer journey was just like, because I'm a very independent person and I think I can do everything by myself <laughs> to a fault. But mm -hmm. then also sometimes, sometimes it comes in handy. But um, <clears throat> I think learning that only God has a plan for me that I don't know what it is and mm -hmm. learning that it's going to be in my best interest to follow that has really just made me like humble myself before the Lord and faithfully follow him wherever he calls me. And if some, if a door closes and I'm just like, okay, he has something better for me. And it seems like it's potentially weak to, um, sur you know, surrender our plans and our whatever to God, our will to God. Um, but there's a significant amount of power and freedom um, that happens in that that's hard to explain. But once you begin to walk in that, there's just, uh, you begin to realize that we just, 
as human beings really are powerless in so many ways mm-hmm. to do things. And there's just a, a lot of freedom that comes mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And you talked in the message about God as a clockmaker, that mm-hmm. he's not a clockmaker, <clears throat> which kind of ties into prayer for me. If we pray, like if we're asking for something in that inherently, it's you saying, this will only happen if I pray. Mm-hmm. Or to say it another way, God is going to do what he is going to do. But if we ask, it may get done in a different way, mm-hmm. right? His, his goal is going to be accomplished, mm-hmm. but it, how we come into it is it might change it a little bit. Yeah. The person doesn't die of cancer. We don't, you know, we pass graduate school or whatever. I don't know if you can fail graduate school. Is that even possible? <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's very Just hard. turn something in, you're good. But is that like, is that a healthy way to look at prayer that we can actually affect change in the world with prayer? Uh, scripture testifies to that. Um, there's a number of moments, Old and New Testament, where people pray and talk to God and God changes his mind. God is going to destroy people. And um, Abraham is bargaining and talking with God and God changes his mind. And so- Moses does too, right? Moses, yeah. There's, there's a number of different moments where mm-hmm. the authors mm-hmm. are ex- explicitly saying- because of this request, God is going to change, which is um, how does that all work out? I don't know. But um, uh, the people, the house church in Mary's house are praying and they don't, they, don't, they don't know that their prayers are being answered. Whether God would have done it without them praying or not, I don't know. But their prayers are being answered and they don't even... They struggle to even believe when, they, when the prayers are being answered. You know, they just... They don't even believe it themselves, Mm -hmm. even though they're praying. And so, um, to answer your question directly, I do think, and I do believe that our prayers can effectually change, um, things that happen in our world. Um, chicken or the egg, would we got it done it anyways? I don't know. And, and that's a nuance that's different than how I looked at prayer prior. Um, and that was that if I happen to pray for something that mm-hmm. was in God's will, then it's going to be answered. That's how I've always looked at it. But my huddle leader, uh, elder at this church, we all know Matt Thomas, mm-hmm. sent me a, an article, an essay by C.S. Lewis about prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got that line about God's going to have his way no matter what. But when we ask, it can change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's really kind of changed the way I looked at prayer. That's good. That's great. I think in my mind, I'm just like, who are we to like convince God to change his plans? I struggle as well of like, do my prayers really make a difference? Mm-hmm. Like I just being honest and authentic. Well, hearing that yeah. like Moses and Abraham changed yeah. God's mind, mm-hmm. essentially. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Good thing Jesus didn't change God's mind in Gethsemane. We would have been. Yeah, that's we, a great we, point. We would have been. <laughs> that's a great dead. point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. Because he asked, he said, let mm-hmm. the cup pass from me. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes the things that we pr- we're praying for is not what God wants, you know, and so God's not answering it because it's mm-hmm. not, you know, and so Jesus will say in John 14, I believe, ask, or maybe 15, ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. Right. But I think that when it's in alignment with what God's will already is, <laughs> then you'll but see like, it happen. If he's is, not going to do that, you know, I don't yeah. know. In my head, I'm just like. I, I, the, Did the we show I, him a new perspective? But I'm totally. like, but God is all knowing. I the way that I look at the Moses story and the Abraham story is like God loves us, His people. He loved Moses, yeah. So He's going to do it for him. Mm-hmm. God is God is powerful enough 
to allow us to have what we want and have his will be done on Mm -hmm. earth. Right. So he can do both. And that is, those are opposing ideas in, in most brains, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that doesn't work. Like if you, if you mess, if a a butterfly flaps its wings in China, there's going to be a, a a hurricane, right? That's the whole butterfly effect where Mm -hmm. God is beyond that. He can do it both. Yeah, there's uh, the Bible teaches us things that God wants us to know about him that we can have some clarity on, but there's so much mystery. And so um, we have to walk in that tension. Yeah, that's great. Okay, Uh, Peter, why is he in jail? What's the whole purpose of him? Why did he get put in jail? Uh, I think it was clear that Peter was the leader. Peter started the church in Acts 2. He's going around and confirming churches throughout the, the you know, the chapters that we've seen. Um, and so it was clear that go after Peter because that he is in charge. One of the guys in charge. And they were going to kill him, right? Yeah, he was on trial. The, the next day he was supposed to be on trial. Right. So you made a point um, to mention this, that Peter was sleeping right before he's about to be beheaded or whatever they're going to do, mm-hmm. um, which is a stark contrast to him in the boat with yeah. Jesus. Jesus is sleeping. Yeah. They're freaked out, worried about the storm. But then fast forward and Peter is now sleeping. Yeah. Why was Peter able to sleep in prison, but not in the boat? Uh, my buddy Peter from the church actually texted me earlier today about that connection. So it's cool that both of you saw that connection. And and one of the things he was just seeing was um, the parallel between basically Peter had learned the lesson mm-hmm. that Jesus was teaching him, right? The Just this ability for um, humans to have this peace that transcends all understanding, this, um, this ability to have peace in, in any kind of um, difficult situation um, that Jesus was modeling that Peter didn't understand at the time. Peter had a fear of death. He had a fear of the storm. He had a fear of the circumstances. Um, but by this point, he didn't have a fear of those things. He had a, a, a reverent fear of God above all else. Mm-hmm. His fear had shifted. It's like, I think when we have a bigger view of God <laughs> and Proverbs says, above all else, fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. When we have a, a, a proper, healthy, reverent fear of God, then the fears of this world just diminish. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because Jesus wasn't even on the scene anymore. Yeah. And it just proves that you don't, we don't need Jesus with us anymore. The disciples had the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we can sleep. So here's my question. Go ahead, Jesse. Well, I was going to say like um, when with like Gen Z and younger people, mm-hmm. um, you know, I see the statistics and the data of um, anxiety and fear and different things like that. And so I'm wondering how you think the message of like being able to not fear death came across to like the college students Mm -hmm. and the young people in the room. Um, for me personally, anxiety has been something I've struggled with, but not on like an extreme sense Mm -hmm. to like the woman you talked about on stage, not nothing like that, thankfully. But, um, in moments that I do find myself kind of panicking and just not being able to like sit down and breathe, I kind of do like this little breathing prayer exercise where 
I, um, like as I breathe in, I just tell myself the truth of what Jesus gives me. And I'm like, Jesus brings me peace. And then I'm breathing out the anxiety I'm feeling. And so I just kind of do that. I breathe in all these like things that I know that the Lord offers me. And then I breathe out whatever the world world has told me that I don't have. And that always just calms me down. Yeah. Yeah. I I also, I've also dealt with anxiety a lot. And I I distinctly remember realizing one of the problems that I had was growing up, I was under the assumption that anxiety is a sin, Mm. that worry is a sin. Mm. Can we talk about that? Because like, Mm. obviously, Peter is asleep. He's not worried about Mm -hmm. death. Um, But I think death is maybe a common thing to worry about? Is it is it sinful to worry about death or to worry about your kids or your loved ones who are aging? Um, can you talk us through that, Pastor Jesse? Sure. I, uh, I would say it's not a sin. Um, I would say that it's an invitation to, um, to, uh, to trust the Lord, uh, with your life and with your circumstances. Um, I think of many people throughout the scriptures who, um, were amazing people of God that had anxiety and anger and um, and things like that. And so I think it's people have different things that um, hold them that just, you know, are barriers between them and God. Um, and whatever that thing is, is an opportunity to um, Grow in God. Yeah. Grow in God to trust the Lord, right? And so if it's anxiety, then anxiety is the invitation to um, to trust the Lord in a new way. Um, and that can be applied to a lot of different things. Yeah. So none of us are psychiatrists or doctors. But right. I do want to talk about this anxiety issue a little bit, even though I wasn't planning on it. But uh-huh. so uh, Nicole's dealt with it. I dealt with it to the point where I was on anti-anxiety medication for a full year. Yeah. Um, and what I learned about it is that anxiety is a not a choice sometimes Mm -hmm. it is a chemical reaction in your brain and i'm overgeneralizing for sure i'm sure there's a lot more to it um there is cbt cognitive behavioral therapy that you can go through retrain your brain but when i was on the medication versus when i was not i was a completely different person and i have made no different choices so i guess can we talk more about the difference you, you said worry is not a sin, but for people who are dealing with it and they hear, Oh, just go to God or just pray. Mm-hmm. There's this underlying, I don't know, message that they're sending that if you do that, then you'll be cured of your anxiety, mm-hmm. but that may not be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, human beings are complex, uh, beings that God has created wonderfully, beautifully and wonderfully made. And so, um, all of the different um, sciences as we can call them, uh, matter. And so, um, social science and, um, hard science, uh, all are, um, learning about the complexity of human beings from different angles. And so, um, biology, um, neurology, psychology, um, what would be the ology of like studying your physical body, your eating habits, like people that like go to the gym and like those kind of people. Yeah. Um, physiology, physiology, like, um, so number one, like the relationships that we have with other people, uh, the, 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 the things that we eat, our diet, Mm -hmm. our, our exercise, um, the neurological pathways in our brain, the chemicals that are 
going on inside of our brain, as well as our theology, which is a different, you know, thing, Mm -hmm. uh, all of those different ologies, they're just studying different parts of the complexity of a human being matter and are created by God. And to just say it's all theology and those other things don't matter is to dismiss the beauty and the wonder of God. And so to figure out what is happening inside of my body, inside of my brain, inside of my soul, uh, and then go to the appropriate, uh, the diagnosis, go to the appropriate person to help with that thing Mm -hmm. um, is beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to be clear before we move on. I'm not saying that God can't supernaturally come into somebody's life and cure them of their anxiety. That, mm-hmm. I'm sure that happens all the time. Um, but to rely only on prayer and calmness, like sometimes maybe that might not be enough for I people think, if they're making a wise mm-hmm, decision. There's like the line where you just like you're trusting in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You're putting all your faith in him. You truly believe that he can heal you. But then there's also where God calls you to also move for yourself and just like go see a doctor or do what you need to do. And then like, like the story of the guy in the boat who's drowning, he's like, God, save me, save me, save me. And he sends a boat out and the guy's like, Oh no, God's going to save me. I don't need you. And it happens three times. And then he eventually turns down every single boat that comes up and he dies and he goes to heaven and he's like, God, why didn't you save me? God's like, I sent you three boats. (laughs) So there's like the, you have to say yes to um, opportunities that will better you and like saying yes to plans with friends, saying yes to seeing a doctor, saying yes to get the help that you need. Trusting God, like praying and trusting God Mm -hmm. may look like going to a therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, we're seeing a child therapist with my kids and then we're also seeing um, a marriage therapist for Des and I, two different therapists because we're just, you know, we're like, hey, it's time to, we call it a tune-up in in areas. Uh, and so... If somebody would like to financially give to Jess. Yeah, see, yeah. therapists ain't cheap. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes people are like, God, can you just provide for my finances? And I'm like, you need to create a budget. Yeah. Listen to God and stop <laughs> spending money. That's that's God's word for you, okay? Don't over-spiritualize this thing. Get a job, Lebowski. Get a job, like. you know, like, and so sometimes, yeah, we over-spiritualize things and mm-hmm. God is like, I've given you a brain to be able to think and to like make good choices in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Great sidebar. Thank you guys for going there with me. Um, let's kind of take a left turn. We talk about how Peter's not afraid of death. My question is, why shouldn't we be afraid of death? Where is our confirmation found in the Bible or otherwise that we shouldn't be scared of it? You want to answer? Any thoughts? I feel like we kind of talked about this a couple the, weeks ago. Nicole now. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I, was, hey, I would love to hear your thoughts. But um, growing up, I was always pretty scared of dying. Mm-hmm. And not going to lie, I still kind of am. Sure. And whenever I talk to my friends about it, they're like, oh, but like you, like we believe in the Lord and we have salvation after death. I was like, yeah, I know. But like, what about the space in between? And then I talked to my grandma. She's very knowledgeable in the Bible and she teaches a small group every week. But um, she's like, yeah, like people don't know if there's like a waiting period between like our death and then when Jesus comes down mm. or if we just go straight to heaven. I'm like, what? Like, what do we do in that waiting? So I just kind of overthink every little thing that has no answer to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the only piece that I can find in knowing like about death and just knowing that it's going to happen is that whatever happens, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm saved. And, um, as long as 
my loved ones are all saved, which they are, then I'll be totally fine. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to like make peace with that without knowing things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Jesse. It's like trust Eternal fall. life. That's my big question. Yeah. The promise eternal life. Is that the uh, caricature of heaven that we all grew up believing where we're going to be on harps and <laughs> things like that? For yeah. Time? Streets uh, of gold. Well, streets of gold. Uh, some of that is true. And, you know, some of that is kind of what the Bible teaches. And um, I don't know which way to go. Uh, but I love personally First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul teaches that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so just kind of in response to that waiting period, that mm-hmm. um, the other thing that Paul teaches in that particular passage is that he calls our current physical bodies uh, a tent, like a tent, like a camping tent, but that um, to be present with the Lord is like a, a building, like a structure, mm-hmm. more secure, more permanent, more long lasting than our eighty five years, you know, that we have here on earth. Uh, and so I think that for the martyrs and the people who, um, stood for Jesus, um, they had a really deep belief and trust in the different promises and teachings throughout scripture about, um, our eternal reality and our eternal, um, it, it, but not only like, Hey, I, I know where I'm going, but, um, that is influencing the way that I see other people because the martyrs are, um, are, are laying down their life so that other people can have the same thing that they have. And so that, that goes beyond just like, I'm mm-hmm. trusting that I'm going to heaven, but like I'm motivated by these people, by, yeah, by these people mm-hmm. that don't even, that don't know that. You yeah. Know, have that. And you made a, a super interesting point to me. It's like you said, they're not scared to lose their life because they've already lost it. Mm. They already gave it up yeah. to follow Jesus. And so if we've truly given our life to Jesus, then whatever happens must be in God's plan. Yeah. Different people say like, if you're not afraid to die, you're, you're a, uh, a free person. You're, you know, you can like really change the world. Like there's nothing that like will hinder you if you're just not afraid of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a scary thing in a psychopath, <laughs> right? But like in the hands of yeah. uh, a loving God who wants to heal and 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 love the world, that can be a really powerful thing. And so, yeah, when you know Jesus tells us to carry a cross to give up our life, and that when we that's the only way that you will find life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there there is a facing of death, um, but but then there's a freedom of life on the other side of that. Um, and so, I think for all people to be able to come to peace and come to terms with, um, with death early on as soon as they can, um, is, is an invitation to, um, a life of just, just un, unhitched, you know? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to commend all of us for continuing that conversation, even though the preschool is across the hall <laughs> playing the loudest, most childlike music I've ever and heard in stomping. my life. Yeah, just dancing, going buck wild over there. It's lively here at Grace yeah, Church. It is. Uh, okay, cool. Let's go get back to friction and traction. Um, you mentioned that when we come across friction, we can use it as traction to move us forward, to grow. So in a way, like it says in the book of James, um, we we look at trials then as blessings. Yeah. When, I'll ask you both this, um, 
when did you start to look at trials as blessings and not and stop the the idea that you're trying to get away from the trials you're trying to solve all your problems it's like the whack-a-mole you're tr- you're trying to <laughs> finances i need a a relationship i need this and that when in your life personally did that did that change did your outlook change so many moments um there's been so many moments where i feel so stretched um by what jesus is asking of me um all the way back before I worked at Grace, like fundraising and and um, for my salary as a missionary, um, getting married and having babies, like and being in seminary and just like and dealing with uh, making disciples and evangelism, and racial reconciliation and sexuality and just all of these different things that I like. Jesus was inviting me to care about. <laughs> that need to matter to me with justice and poverty and just the world stuff. It just felt so overwhelming um, that um, just I've had to look at all of these different things and ask God to stretch my heart even more and give me even more. I like the wineskin analogy, like, God, I can't do this. I need you to give me a fresh heart. I need you to give me um, an ability to, to love more and to, to care for these things more. And so that's a different analogy, but similar where I'm like, I don't have what it takes to give to my family. I don't have to give what it takes for finances. Cause we've ever since I graduated from college, I've been in ministry and it's finances have always been tight. Always. We've never had <laughs> enough money. Like it's just always been tight. And, and just through so many different oper- like moments, um, it's God, saying, just allow this to let me disciple you through these circumstances and these difficulties. Help me to make, let me make you more like me through these challenges. Don't Mm -hmm. run from them, press into them. Yeah. Nicole, if I was your age, I would not absolutely would not have said that I look at trials as blessings. I was just trying so to I'm, think of a time so where... I'm interested to see, <laughs> is that your mindset? Are you still in like self-preservation mode? Like, God, get these battles. I am not your warrior yet. Um, I, I would say no. Like, I'm not in that kind of space. But at the same time, I don't have a time where I'm just like, oh, like, I don't have... Like, I don't know. I just don't have a moment in time to say that I stopped seeing trials as a bad thing. But um, I will say that now I just kind of like laugh at them. I'm just like, okay, like what's next? (laughs) Because now I'm just like, I think I'm at the point where it's just like, okay, this is always going to be a thing. So, and God has my back. So, but um, I don't know. Recently, I just signed up to go back to school mm-hmm. and um so that's been kind of scary for, for what? what what's your plan um you i want to be a high school french teacher that's cool oui, oui. <laughs> yes okay magnifique mm-hmm. but um did i say that well yeah you yeah, said pretty yeah, good you did <laughs> can you do a french r for us real quick <laughs> no say it in a word oh <laughs> yeah just, um, the french r by itself is just a growl <laughs> gosh you're putting me on the spot this is like worse than asking me like a direct question. yeah it's hard to think of a word with I an know. r in it um ugh, dang it it's it happens all the time at work too because we get a lot of french tourists so i get to yeah. speak french with them cool. but um i can't think of a word with an r okay before the end of the 
podcast, we're going to have you. My say mind is blank. A French R. I'm going to so, be the worst so French thinking, teacher. We'll, we'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're going to school. You need a little. You got time. Yeah, you got I know, time. I, yeah. I grew up speaking French. so. Oh, that's, that's so cool. cool. Yeah. Well, does Patti or. No, Kate, I went to French school, kindergarten gotcha. through high school. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh, Patti's your mom. Yeah, she, yeah. I, she. I learned Spanish from my mom. Yeah. That's your mm-hmm. trilingual? Yes. So good. Applause. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, okay. But, Th- think of the words. Yes. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Well, think? I just wanted to say that like I had one of my regulars at work challenge me to like, he's like, just go back to school. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I, I hate school. Hmm. And he's like, you're just scared to apply yourself. And then hmm. I went home and I was just like, man, I am too scared to apply myself. And then my boyfriend, he was just like, oh, I've been thinking. And he's like, you would be a great high school teacher. You love ministry and all that kind of stuff. He said, you could teach at a Christian high school and you could. No, teach at a public high school. You know, I know. I would love to. Public, public we square. About that Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we did. Either one. But um, that like really got my wheels turning and I was like, huh, maybe I'll look into this. And then I went to talk to a counselor because technically I was already signed up at Mesa College. I just didn't have any classes. You've been enrolled for the past four years and you just didn't show up? I'm enrolled in three colleges. You are? San Francisco State, Grossmont College, and now Mesa College. Oh my God. You are an amazing student. I know. I'm incredible. But I have one year of You need to uninstall a couple of those colleges. I don't know how. I think I'm just too scared to say no. <laughs> I think it's a great example. I've been in school for four years. I'm writing my dissertation right now. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so much work. It is. But I've continually come back to, this is not friction. Mm-hmm. This is traction. The reason I'm in this is to be a better pastor, to love people more, to learn how to, um, you know, how to apply this in the real world. And so um, the traction is like all of this work is growing me and stretching mm-hmm. me and helping me to be a better, not just a better person, but just to be more useful for the kingdom of God and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I think I'm just nervous because last time I was in school, my mental health was at an all-time low. It mm. was during COVID, so was, everything was online. So I think that's just kind of like still in my brain and all I can connect with when it comes to college mm-hmm. and um so like it's obviously a new season a new year everything's completely different but it's just still like a little yeah <clears throat> i will say if you have the traditional live on campus experience at college after you graduate you want nothing more than to go back to that college experience <laughs> once you get back into the real world mm-hmm. you're like oh my, like <clears throat> i had the benefit of visiting my college afterwards because i worked in tv news so we would mm-hmm. do, go into campus and cover stories and i'd look around i'm like oh i wonder what they're doing oh that looks so fun look at them throwing frisbees over there and i'm over here working it's you peaked in college i peaked definitely <laughs> probably middle school more is my peak <laughs> anyway uh, okay cool let's wrap this uh i almost said wrap this plane up we need to land the, land plane. the plane yeah we need to wrap up the podcast. Um, so a lot of what we've been talking about is kind of uh, not doom and gloom, but like God isn't going to solve all your problems, mm. right? The way you said it is God's will is not a safe place. Mm. Um, that is a terrible church marketing strategy. What do we do with that? H- how do we share Christ with others they're like, okay, cool. What do we get? Easy life, a lot, lot of money, wonderful family. No, actually you get trials and it's guaranteed. No matter what, your life's going to be harder now that you're a Christian. How do we um, do that? How do yeah. we share that? <clears throat> well, Jesus starts his his relationship with his disciples by saying, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That sounds pretty exciting. Um, 
and it was later on. I always da- say that at work and nobody understands it because <laughs> I'm the only Christian at work. I'm like, fishers of men. And then they're like, what? They're like, what does that even mean? It's like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense because fisher is not the act of, of catching something. No. It's fishing because you're catching fish. It should be minning. Totally. Okay. Right. We need to change that. You're need, fired. Yeah. You're it must fired. be, it must be the translation. Yeah. It probably I, made sense in the original language. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Mark, he, it made sense to him and his community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess my point is that Jesus started with that idea, um, as far as the invitation. Um, and then they watched him do what he did. And it was later on that he said, um, yeah, you are going to drink this cup of martyrdom. You are going uh, that I want you to carry your cross. And so I think, um, if, if Jesus was to give us the whole picture at the, at the opening, um, it might be too overwhelming. Um, if, and so not to bait and switch, but I think that there's a, a journey just relationally, um, that goes on. And so I, I 100% believe that we are a safe place, um, that, but that's an invitation for people that are like new to to be like, you can come here with judgment-free space and ask any question you want and to learn about who God is. Um, but guess what? As you learn who God is, you're going to begin to realize that uh, it's it's a journey towards suffering. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a movement towards uh, to towards friction, and those are that is a part of what this looks like. And and part of that is just loving people causes you to suffer. <laughs> it's just welcome to love. Love is painful. Uh, and so. Love uh, is a battlefield. Love is a battlefield. Yeah. Is that. Who's Natasha that? Bedingfield. <laughs> is that who sings that? Love is a battlefield. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it is not a great um, church marketing strategy, but it is the only way to. It's to experience the deepest forms of love that any human can have. It's honest. It's real. Um, and so. So then does grace need to change anything, any, anything that we are communicating? If we're really saying, just come and meet Jesus, like rather than I, I get the sense that a lot of churches, a lot of Christians say, Hey, follow Christ. It's awesome. He's going to, he's going to solve your problems. Like the prosperity theology. Do you feel like Grace's messaging is in line with what you're talking about? Like just come meet Jesus. It's okay to be, not be okay, but don't stay that way. It's a great question. Um, I have been told that it feels like a bait and switch, um, on a number of different topics. And I get that. Um, but I also think that the second part of the phrase is to experience Jesus. And I think that experiencing Jesus is um, the the way that we work things out at Grace Church that may not make people happy is actually the way of Jesus. And so even though they a person may not like it, it actually is what it looks like to experience Jesus. Friction. It's friction. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, sexuality is one of those topics where I wrote a paper a couple of years ago called Nobody Likes This. And so part of the premise of the paper is like, this is going to frustrate the progressives and the conservatives. Like the different way, the way of Jesus towards se- sexual ethic is going to frustrate everybody. Um, but 
this is the way of Jesus. And so um, it may not make people happy, but I think it's still honest and true that it's not a bait and switch. It's an invitation to experience Jesus. Would, would it be appropriate to say, look, life is suffering in general. That's the definition of life. We're going to suffer. You can choose to suffer and deal with it yourself, yeah. or you can come and meet the creator of the world who knows the right way to live and is there with you in your suffering. Totally. How do we say that in a catchy little phrase that we can say from stage each Sunday? Let's talk about it in creative to me. <laughs> we, need to, we need to workshop that. Nicole, you got a catchy phrase for us? I really need to sneeze. So I'm like <laughs> trying She's to She's like, focus. can we land this plane? <laughs> I'm like trying to focus. Okay, everyone listen up. Let's see how Nicole sneezes. Go no. ahead, sneeze for the podcast. You can either sneeze or use a French word with an R. My in nose it. hurts so bad. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry. Um, okay, cool. That's this all I great. Have, guys. Yeah, great talk. Um, guys, thanks for listening. <laughs> Nicole's <laughs> watering. <laughs> you can go ahead and sneeze. I I'll can't. Cut it out. No, I'm trying I'll to. I'll cut it out. Oh, she can't now. Okay. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening. As always, email us at podcast at gracesd.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram, the Grace Church San Diego's Instagram. We'll have a place to ask questions there. And um, unless Nicole wants to say anything in French, I think we're done here. Au revoir. There yes. we go. You're hearing it. Nailed it. Au revoir. <laughs> I can't do it. Au revoir. Au revoir. I can't do it. But anyway, <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you, Nicole. Two R's. Yeah. You're welcome. We, we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.